All right. Today I'm going to tell you a short story, okay? You ready? Okay. There once were two girls, and neither one of them could play basketball. They were horrible at it. But girl number one thought that she could play basketball and that she played it well. She would walk around talking about how she was the best basketball player in the world and that she knew better than everyone else and that she was better than everyone else. She would say that she was so good she didn't even need to practice. She thought she was so good she didn't even need her teammates. It's hard to play basketball without your teammates, right? Girl number two, on the other hand, knew that she couldn't play basketball, but she wanted to learn. So she asked other people how to play. She went to practice. She listened to her coach. She ran the drills, and she learned. That's it. The end. My question to you is, who do you think became the better basketball player? Yes, Remy? Who do you think got better at basketball? Kimber. I bet Kimber's going to be a good basketball player if she tries. <laughs> Heidi, who do you think became the better basketball player? Number two, why? Because she would practice and listen to her coach because she wanted to learn instead of thinking that she knew it all, right? In today's scripture story that we're going to hear about in a little bit, Jesus tells a story that's kind of like the one I just told you. But instead of the story being about two girls who didn't know how to play basketball, Jesus tells a story about two men, one who was humbled by himself and another who was humbled by God. In the story, one man tells God how great of a person he is and is thanking God that he isn't like everyone else. He keeps telling God while he's praying that he's super great at life and that he's so much better than everyone else. That sounds a lot like the first girl who thought she knew everything there was to know about basketball, right? Yeah. The other man in the story tells God, I'm a sinner and I need your help. I don't know what I'm doing. Help me to live like you. Does that sound a little bit like the second girl in the story? A little bit? Yeah. So of the two men I just told you about, who do you think will be able to learn more from God and live God's way? Yes. Number one or number two? The second man, right? Why do you think that? Yeah, because he knew he wasn't better than everyone else. He wants to learn instead of thinking that he already knows it all, right? When we brag about how great we are, how great we think we are, it places all the attention on our own power and neglects the importance of God's work in our lives. We, try, we should try to be humble. Do you guys know what that means? It means we don't brag about ourselves. We try, should try to be humble by focusing on God and first focusing on God first and remembering that our strength comes from Him. When we stop thinking that we know it all and instead ask God and others for help, we're able to learn and improve ourselves. And the things we learn and receive, will also be the things that we can share with the people around us, which is awesome, right? That is the good news for today. Will you guys pray with me? All right. Dear God, please help us to remember that we don't know it all and to ask for and listen for help from you and from others. In your name, amen. All right. Thank you, guys. You can go back to your seat. Excellent. We've already heard this sermon, so now I have nothing to do now. 
new material, um, uh, it is great to be here. I want to kind of give an, a kind of fun update for those of you who weren't able to be with us last week. Um, we had gone through a process of, of, of through the interim of finding a new pastor, and we were thrilled to announce last week that Pastor Trent and Lynn uh, Freeburg were coming to uh, Mountain Home. So that's a wonderful thing. It's great. You can clap again. Sure, it's great. We are still figuring out the date, but that it starts snowing, we'll kind of move that date up so we can get them here. No, uh, it'll be um, tentatively uh, early December. Um, we're not sure how early, but that, that's kind of the goal. So we'll get more official as that becomes more official. But it is great to be together. Yeah, I, as I was driving in, I thought, boy, it was cold out here. And the snow get deeper and deeper. And I thought, and, and, you know, the snow is first to mountain home. So in October, October snow, it's exciting. I was so excited. Uh, you're excited. I'm going to leave. So congratulations. You get a key. <laughs> I'm going to drive. I'll, yeah, okay. Yeah, Boise was fine. Man, that frost is really heavy. And oh my, get deeper and deeper. I got off the road. I'm like, wow, yeah, it's exciting. Um, I did not bring my four-wheel drive car today. So I was driving my son's little car. As, yeah, that's good. So um, today, as you recall, this summer we've been in Luke. And Luke, we had those. We're on the way to um, the way to Golgotha, the way to Jerusalem. And the first four or five, six, seven weeks were on kind of how to be a disciple. And then the last two or three weeks have been thinking about prayer um, and the importance of praying in our life. Um, and so kind of just to review some lessons, the teacher and me wants to review it for those of you who weren't all here or um, you slept through some of my sermons, as I understand. Here's some of the lessons that we learned about prayer. We are called to pray with faith and hope. To have that prayer of a mustard seed, which feels really small and insignificant, but great things can happen. Um, and it, it, that's really important. Um, that we pray believing God um, can act. However, here's the danger warning sign. Um, just because your prayer is not answered does not mean you didn't have faith. I'll say it one more time because it's really important, right? Some people have said, not you, but other Christians have said, oh, your prayer wasn't answered. You needed more faith. Uh, that theology, you go to hell. It's really easy. No, I'm not exactly. Uh, well, maybe not. I don't know where you're going. I don't know. Uh, but it, that's a danger, right? It's a danger to assume, oh, your prayers weren't answered how you wanted. You just needed more faith. Well, you maybe didn't need more faith, but I know folks, folks for whom they believe with faith all day long, but they had, and the prayer didn't go how they wanted. So the encouragement to pray with faith is important and good. God takes small faith and new things can come. But it's really, really important that we're saying just because your prayer is not answered how and when you wanted it, it does not mean you didn't have faith. Are we follow those, those weird negatives there? Okay, that's important. Two, there's a danger of thinking our prayer is a kind of manipulation. Right? We're kind of going to force God's hand. Um, there's a danger in assuming that if we just pray it, we're going to get how and when we want it. Now, again, one of the lessons we also would want to hear from our Luke text and from James, God wants you to pray about everything. You shouldn't feel bad about wanting to pray for the things of your life. God says, do you have needs? Do you have things you need help with? Pray about it. Um, but we also recognize prayer is not some sort of weird manipulation. And then we'd say this, and you all know these things, but I'm just reminding you, um, God does not always answer 
when and how we would like. And that is the hard part, isn't it? That's why it's not manipulation, right? Um, but the invitation, which is not easy, is to keep on praying, right? Um, in the end, it is okay to pray, God, your will be done. That's a good prayer. But say, but God, I want your will to be this. That's a very good prayer, right? It's okay to say, God, I want your will to be, you know, this. But help me to receive however it's going to come. The other thing I want to add is this. Some prayers, God will always answer. God, will you forgive my sins? Will you help me to become new? God always wants to answer those prayers. And we were reminded, by the way, it'd be like um, sometimes we're praying for good things, but saying, God, I have a cold. You pray for that. We're not praying about the deep-seated jealousy in your heart. So God wants you to pray for everything, right? But are we praying for also those things that are really the issues of our life that are really gnawing at us. That uh, is important. Um, another lesson we learned um, is that God cares for all of us, but especially those who have wandered off. God is that silly, crazy God who will leave the 99 and is going to go find the one who was lost. Some of you at one time in your life were that one that was lost. Amen? And God found you. Um, and some of us have friends and family members who are still lost today. But the good news is this. God has not forgotten them. And we are to keep praying. And that God might use us, but God has not forgotten them. And we are to keep praying with that earnest desire because God is caring and present to all those who are still lost. The other lesson, and this one was not fun. How often do we spend as much time thanking God as we do for asking God? Sometimes we're really good with our really long list of God. Here we go. Saddle up. And here we go on the list. And that is great. But I wonder, and one of the things that God has taught me throughout the years, how do I begin my prayer in thanksgiving? The other thing we talked about a couple weeks ago, which is interesting, I thought about it that week. Think of all the things in your life that you don't need prayer for today. All the people in your life who actually are healthy, who actually there's a relationship that's not bad, Right? We, it's not to make you fearful of what can go wrong today, but it is to say there's so much going on in your life that's probably really awesome, and we're thankful for those things. Often we do the things that are bad or kind of right to the surface, and that's okay, but don't forget that everything we do have a spirit of thankfulness because one of the weird, awkward demons of our North American world is this spirit of entitlement. Do we presume and assume that all the good stuff we have, it's always going to be there. And in fact, this gets to our sermon text that Pastor Adriana leaned us to. We kind of deserve it. And we've earned it. And God should be pretty thankful that we're around. So be careful, right? Be careful. That's not a good one. Pastor Adriana will talk to you about basketball players who do practice or not, right? Okay. 
Last week, we were invited to pray continuously. Now, we had that awkward story with the widow and the judge, and the key is we're to keep praying and don't and keep persisting. God is hearing you. Also, last week, we talked about prayer that can be praise and thanksgiving, but also a category we have to keep creating space for is our prayings of laments. The category, when do folks in our life, in our church, to say, God, God, I am not happy with you today. Things have not gone well. Um, and again, um, we feel nervous about that. But again, as I mentioned last week, it's a, I've said it before, I'll say it again. If we do not give ourselves and others the space to lament and cry out in anger and pain to God, our praise is a bit shallow and false. And remember, laments are not simply a pious whining. They are saying, God, we need your help. You have let us down. But God, can you show up again? Because all laments are a kind of ironic hopefulness that we offer. And that's what's so I know it's hard in the chart. I can tell in your faces, you're like, is this legal? Like, is there lightning going to zap us for this? Remember, as we said, the biggest category of psalms in the Psalter are laments. When God did not show up. And if we were honest, some of you had times in your life when you've experienced things and God did not intervene when you wanted God to intervene. And we lament to God with you and for you in those events. The last one is this one. Before we start today's lesson. God wants us to speak our requests. But where in our prayer life do we stop and listen. How good are you at silence? Not very good. Not very good. I'm terrible at silence. Um, one of the great things that we were talking, I was with some friends in, in McCall, they're doing a retreat among some pastors this week I spoke at. We talked about um, one of the blessings of silence, even corporate silence, is a space to stop and to let God speak. And I hope in our lives uh, throughout the week that we create space. Is our prayer only talking? I won't, we'll, we'll pretend it's rhetorical. Have you ever had a relationship where one person talks the entire time? It's none of you, right? Not you, Pat. No, right? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it was bad. I mean, she's confessing her sins in the back. Good confessions part of the sermon, Pat. It's good. We'll get to it later. Um, it would not work out well to have a relationship where one was talking and one was listening the entire time. Uh, like, when do I like to share about my life, right? Um, but in our relationship with God. Um, and along with that, we've learned what does it mean to be praying the prayers that God is praying for us? I wonder what God would pray for you about. I wonder if, if God were here and he would talk to each one of us individually. I wonder what God's prayers are for you. Would we start praying those prayers? Now, I know you all are really smart. But I wonder how, God, how smart God is. And want to say, God, what, what prayers do you have for me? Now, God's prayers for you, they might be uncomfortable. Because God often asks and invites us to think, it's a good life, but it's a life pushing you out of what is comfortable. 
Um, but that's the road to life, that narrow road. Okay. Well, that was our review uh, for the past few weeks. Uh, now to our text today that we've already heard preached once, and I'll try to not mess it up what Pastor Adrian already did. So if you're able to stand, I invite you to stand. Uh, we are in Luke 18, verse 9. You get confusing of two basketball players. That's the main analogy here. Um, but the great thing about Jesus the teacher is his very first verse, he tips us off on what he wants to say. Okay, so he's a good educator. We're just starting out. Here's the lesson. So I'm in Luke 18, verse 9, verse 14. I'm going to read the Common English Bible. So if yours doesn't match up, that's why. Uh, but here's our text today. Jesus told this parable to certain people who had convinced themselves they were righteous and who looked on everyone else with disgust. Clearly not for any of you, clearly. Two people went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself with these words, God, I thank you that I'm not like everyone else. The crooks, the evildoers, the adulterers, the 49er fans, or even like this tax collector. I'm just, you got to add it in there, please. It's the Peterson paraphrase, it's fine. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I receive. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to look toward heaven. Rather, he struck his chest and said, God, show mercy to me, a sinner. Jesus talking, I tell you, this person went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Um, it's a story that Pastor Adriano led. It's fairly simple, um, but look at verse 9. Um, uh, here is what is being said. He's looked at them. He told this people to whom? To certain people who had convinced themselves they were righteous and who looked on everyone else with disgust. Clearly, none of us. So we'll pretend it's for other people and hear what God has said to other people, right? Did you catch the danger there about that, actually? Oh, Valerie caught it. Okay, we'll see how it goes. All right. There's a danger in thinking you are more righteous than you are. There's also a danger in thinking you are better than others. And of course, we never do that publicly, but internally we're like, yeah, I know, right? Now, uh, actually, analogy, Pastor Adriana and I were uh, synced with the Spirit because I uh, love basketball. I was pretty good at basketball. Um, I wasn't great, but I was okay. Um, but I will say, as you've all experienced, any of those who were athletes when you were younger can realize at some point in your life, you begin to get old. And um, when I went back uh, to NNU a couple years ago, they had what's called Noon Ball. And um, I hadn't played in like five or six years. And I started playing. And my mind knew exactly what I wanted to see happen. And my mind said, go. And my body said, what? In my mind, I was still out there dunking and cruising around. My body said, yeah, those days are over. 
it is dangerous to assume that maybe you're better than you are, and often we're better in our mind than we are in reality. Right? It's amazing things that I once held as good and as my identity were now uh, moved away. Now, this gets more embarrassing. Did I mention it in here? I might, I'll mention it anyway. This is good for Confessionist Church. Several weeks ago, we were playing the innocent and beloved game of kickball. Did I tell you this story? Oh, good Lord. It's coming. So we play with my students. And of course, how hard is it to kick a ball? It's rolling on the ground. So we were playing with my students, and I had my first two kicks, and they were pretty good. My third kick, and it would be my last kick, I swung my leg very hard. And the ball dribbled, but as soon as I kicked it, my leg said, oh, that was a problem. And I kind of fell over. I pulled something, hip adductor, groin, something. But it's amazing how simple things like kickball can take you out. Three weeks later, I am mostly better. Because uh, you young people realize this. When you get injured when you're young, it's like 10 minutes later, you're fine. When you're old, it's like three years later. You're like, well, this is why all old people do is talk about their injuries. They happen decades before. They keep piling up. They don't get any better. Seriously. All right. Uh, that's enough about that. As the story is, we have two characters. Now, recall a few weeks ago, we had two characters before. Remember that rich man and Lazarus. And on the surface, we kind of know who the good guy and the bad guy is, right? Remember rich man? Well, clearly he's righteous. He's rich. Uh, Lazarus, he's poor. I don't know if he's blind. Whatever he was, he couldn't walk. Bad guy, right? Well, similarly here in this story, um, and by this time, Luke's audience is like, yeah, we know what's coming here. There's a Pharisee, interesting choice of words, Pharisee, and a tax collector. And here's where the story goes. Um, they go up to the temple to pray. Now, have any of you been to the Holy Land before, to Jerusalem? Okay. One of you, right? We need to go. I've, I've not been. Um, I've heard it's amazing, right? Um, and the, what I, when you go up to the temple, actually, it's not only up like to God, like, but it's actually elevation. The temple, uh, sorry, I've been told, is the highest part, because Jerusalem's kind of on a hill, but the temple is the highest part of Jerusalem. And so actually, when you have Psalms of Ascent, uh, A-S-C-E-N-T, not only are you going up to God, but literally you're physically walking up. And so to go up to the temple, and again, going to the temple to pray is a good thing, right? So let's be careful we don't throw the wrong things out here. But there was this Pharisee, and it said he was praying about or concerning himself. And he wanted to separate himself from the others. He did not want to get dirty by those people. One of the things that the Gospels do and Paul does, it wants to take away all the those peoples we create in our world. You know, them. So he says things that here sound innocuous, but for them, revolutionary. There's neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, ah, male nor female. All the barriers that folks do to say, well, at least I'm not like. In the kingdom, we're all equal. While we are different, the different is good. But 
the reality is this. This Pharisee thought to himself, well, I'm a pretty good dude. And here's what he says. Essentially, God, thank you. I'm not like all those other people. See all I do. I fast and I tithe. It proves that I am righteous. Now, again, we want to say, Fasting, tithing, praying, not bad things. But at some level, this Pharisee had assumed the things he did was earning the salvation. To say, God, hello, I'm awesome. There was somebody else there. This tax collector. Now again, often it was the case, you maybe know this story from, oh, I shouldn't, oh yeah. Levi, Matthew, tax collector. Um, you'll get a little about next week, actually. Oh, next week's going to be exciting. You can't miss. We're singing a song about a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. Some of you know, come next week. I won't be here, but it'll be exciting. It involves trees, and it's very exciting stuff. Often tax collectors in Jerusalem were Jews whom the Romans had used to take their money from them. So tax collectors were traitors. They would often basically bid out to Romans to say, I can get more than that person. And the person with the highest amount would, would get the bid, would be the tax person. And so these were often Jews whom were thought of betrayed and awful. You think of the story of Matthew. Um, uh, tax collectors not well liked by anybody. And he's the one. He's in the temple. Does not even find himself worthy to look up looks down and says, have mercy on me, I am a sinner. And Jesus says, who went home justified? As I thought about it, here's what I considered. The Pharisee didn't ask God to do anything. He was there to tell God how awesome he was. But yet the tax collector knew his needs. Now, be very careful. We're not endorsing the bad thing the tax collector was doing. But remember, who is this parable to? We'll read again. To certain people who convinced themselves they were righteous and looked down at everyone else to disgust. If we have thought that what we do is earning our salvation, and we think we are better than those others. Often, we have thought we've stopped needing God's help. Now again, I want to be very clear. I think tithing and fasting and going to temple and praying are wonderful things. But very important you hear this. You can do nothing to earn God's love. However, back to the basketball analogy, that does not mean you do nothing. Right? We should be tithing and praying as God can help us to become better at this thing called life. So don't, don't hear us say that doing nothing matters, but if we think we are earning it, or we think by what we do we're now better than somebody else, we have missed the point. I want all of you to hear, God loves you exactly today where you are. And the question to you will be, do you want to find more life? And so we would hope this tax collector would also be fasting and tithing. 
But what we see in his heart in this little parable is that he continued to know his desperate need for God. I think some of us who've grown up in the church for a while have perhaps forgotten our desperate need for God. So we read this parable and we say, thank God I'm not like that Pharisee. I'm not like that person, thankfully. And here's where it gets, the trick comes. We're pretty sure Jesus tells this parable to the disciples. You see, it's true. Jesus had some tough things to say to Pharisees along the way. I think it's because he was one, a Pharisee, and two, he loved them deeply. But it would have been easy for the disciples to say, well, at least we're more righteous than those Pharisees are. You see how that kind of, that turn is always there? The invitation today is this, that we are like that widow last week. We are to pray with that kind of determination, but we are to pray with the humility of the tax collector. Um, The invitation is, God, help me in my life. But here's the thing we've also learned. Um, And I've referred to it a couple of times. I'll refer to it again because it works really well. That parable of the unmerciful servant, we talked about it last week again. That one servant, remember, who owed the king the national debt. We don't know how we owed that amount. It was crazy money. And and he's ready to get, basically how that worked then. He'd go to a debtor's prison. He and all his family thrown in jail. So he goes and he pleads before the king, have mercy on me. Don't throw me in jail. And the king goes, okay. And he lets him go. Remember that day he goes out and finds that person who owes him a day's wages. And in the Greek, he used that, that other guy, he used the exact same language to say, please for mercy, don't throw me in jail for this week. But that first servant, forgiven the national debt, thrown in, throws him in jail. The king hears about it and says, uh, this is not good. You're not going to jail forever. Here's what we learned from that little parable. Here's what I've known. When you have received and experienced God's love and mercy in your hearts, you are then so eager to share that love and mercy for others and let that grace flow. When you have not received that grace and you think you're earning it, you have quick condemnation for all those other people. Now, we're going to confess something. If you weren't alive in the 80s, this doesn't pertain to you. In the 80s, there were way too many Christian t-shirts that got way too excited for those who were going to hell. You know, those California people. And that was a problem. I remember there was this, this is now confession time, it's in church. I remember going, I uh, mostly in Seattle, but four years in Phoenix, really good, and we were on the bus. And we were in junior high, going to junior high, and one of these kids had been in eighth grade quite a while, like two or three years. And he was a jerk. I mean, just straight up. I remember God asking me to talk to him about Jesus, and I said to God, he's not worthy. He should go to hell. Isn't that a terrible thing to say? And God said, oh, 
that's interesting. And where do you deserve to go? Sometimes, uh, if we don't experience God's love and grace, it's hard to want to extend and extend that grace to others. So here's the invitation. Do we come and say, God, I need you, we need you desperately. And as you experience that love and grace in your life, God can then invite you to extend that love and grace to others wherever they are. Who maybe like that tax collector feel like they're not worthy of even a prayer. Don't even know of God's love. But as God keeps us tender and humble, we can share that grace and that healing to those in our lives. But here's the thing. We can't do this on our own strength. So one of the things that God has given us, and we partake of it as often as we can, is the great meal of Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper is a meal. We come before God to say, God, I need your help, but I offer myself back to you with all the things that are going well and poorly and saying, God, help me out. We partake of this Lord's Supper in a few moments. We'll invite you to come. There'll be people up here in the back to have your hands cupped. The minister will take that bread and place it in your hands and say, the body of Christ broken for you. And we take that bread and we dip it in the juice and Christ's blood. As we experience Christ's body and blood, it is our meal of sustenance. It's the meal that helps us to keep finding God's love and finding God's grace. And then God sends us out to love and care for those in our community who also desperately need it especially to those whom you'd owe those people. Those are the ones perhaps God is calling you to be present to. People you don't even have to necessarily like. But God says, they need my love too. Can you share it with them? So the table is this great gift that God gives us. It's a table of hospitality where God is our host and God is the one whom we care. On the night, it was when Christ was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Eat this meal in remembrance of me. So we'll partake of this meal as those who desperately need Jesus. Think about this. When you come to receive the elements, and I would say this, all are invited. In some regard, it is a meal of the baptized to those who renew that baptismal covenant. But if you're not baptized, but you want God's grace, you want God's healing, this table is for you. All who are hungry and thirsty are invited to the table today. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for these most precious gifts of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ in and through whom we find life. Gracious God, send your spirit again on us and on these gifts of this bread and the cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast this heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. We invite the servers to come forward and partake. They'll come in a few moments. But in the meantime, let's pray our Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
mine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. tell you all of our bread is gluten free so that helps um, there'll be a station in the back and up front and I would say to you all who are hungry and thirsty for God's grace you recognize your need and want God to use you in the world you're invited to the table today we don't come because we're worthy we come because God is worthy and wants to forgive so if that's you today I invite you to come kids are welcome as well Receive, who'd like to receive? I sometimes need to go to where you are in the seats. Do anybody that did not receive and wanted to? Don't miss anybody. Okay, let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for these most precious gifts, your Lord, our Lord, your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we recognize our deep need for you. Lord, help us to see again it's not the things that we do that earn your love, but Lord, that you invite us to a life of discipleship. Lord, it's so easy for us to think about how we're not like anyone else and we're better than other people. And Lord, help us to be humble, to see that you love every person in this world. And Lord, you invite us courageously to love others as well, especially those that are hard to love. Lord, we thank you that we are sinners finding healing And that tax collector was this model for us of recognizing our desperate need for you. Lord, may we never lose that desperation. But then, Lord, as we encounter your grace, send us out so we can share that love and grace to those in our world, especially those in the margins who often have been told they weren't worthy or they believe they're not worthy. Lord, may we extend that grace and that love even to them. And may it bring life and light to their life, to the world. And so doing, may your kingdom come more fully. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand for the benediction. See this benediction. May the God of grace and peace help you to pray with persistence, but with humility, and love those in your world who desperately need Christ. Go in the love and the peace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.